0: You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please feel free to contact us by visiting our website, harvestoakville.ca. And that is what we're going to do right now, Lord willing. Grab a Bible and turn to uh, Proverbs chapter 9. This is the final series. In our series in the book of Proverbs called The Worth of Wisdom, again, Proverbs chapter nine is where we will be uh, today together as we conclude this series. And as you're turning to Proverbs chapter nine, I kind of want to remind you that the agenda of the elders within this series was to overwhelm us all as to the worth and the value and the categorical blessing that is found within wisdom itself, And one of the ways this was explained is when you sit down to a meal and you find it's delicious, and nutritious, and I know lots of people here like to eat, amen, like to eat, like to eat, and a meal that's delicious and nutritious, and you eat so much, though, because it's so yummy, and you eat so much, you get to the point where you're like, oh, man, I just, I just feel so full, I can't take anymore. I mean, part of what we want to do in this series is to, is to feed you so much of what the Bible has to say about the power and the value of wisdom. At some level, you'd be like, oh, man, I can't take anymore. It's just too much, but where that illustration breaks down is the wise person knows they never arrive at wisdom. The wise person understands you can never get enough wisdom, and so part of this series has been explaining to us that the wise seek wisdom. The wise want to be more wise. Those who are filled with wisdom desire to feed on more wisdom. I also wanted to do this way back in week one, way back in early September. Remember that? That was a long time ago, and yet it goes by so fast. We put up many different uh, truths as to the value and the purpose of wisdom from Proverbs 2 and Proverbs 3 minus the scripture you just heard on the screen. I wanted to bring it back because I found it so encouraging and I wanted to remind each of you too as to how much God says about the power of wisdom within our lives as to its value and its blessings. So check this out, just from Proverbs 2 and 3, this is what wisdom is, this is why it's so valuable. Wisdom understands the fear of the Lord. That's important. Wisdom understands righteousness and justice. Proverbs 2 verse 9. Wisdom enters and penetrates the heart. The heart is who we are. The heart is where we go. The heart is how we think and act. And so wisdom penetrates the heart of our being. Wisdom causes your soul to be pleasant. I mean, who doesn't want that? Pleasantness is found in the way of wisdom. The way of foolishness leads to anxiety and destruction and torment of the soul. Here's what wisdom also does in Proverbs 2 and 3 with wisdom, discretion watches over you. That's powerful. Discretion, we find it and it watches over us as we walk. Proverbs 2 11 again. With wisdom, understanding guards you, wisdom protects us from evil of our day. And right there in chapter 2, verse 12. It delivers you from evil. Sign me up. It delivers you from lustful evil. Sign me up as well. That's what wisdom does. Notice chapter 2, verse 20. Wisdom causes you to walk in the way of good. Just, just We're still in one chapter in the book of Proverbs. It causes you to keep paths of righteousness. It leads to favor and good success. Wisdom leads to favor. Wisdom leads to success in the sight of God. Favor in the sight of God and of man. This is what wisdom does because it's from God himself. Wisdom is so valuable. Check this out. Here's the next one. Wisdom makes your path straight, please. Wisdom heals your flesh. Wisdom refreshes your bones. Sweet. Sweet. That's awesome. Wisdom eliminates fear because you're focusing on what God says and thinks, and you see God. You're not afraid Wisdom does this, it causes you to sleep well. Remember that from week one? All in favor? All in favor? Oh yeah, sleep well. Sleep well. Wisdom helps you. Why? Because you're at peace. Because you know you're on the ways and the will of God. And when you know you're with God, you're good. You're good. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. If God is for you, who can be against you? Good sleep. Good sleep. This is what wisdom does. Wisdom does not fear evil. Wisdom trusts the Lord. Wisdom invites the blessing and the honor of God Himself. Wisdom, loved ones, is so valuable. Wisdom is so important. Wisdom cannot be ignored. I mean, if you have any sense of wisdom, you will be eating it up as much as you possibly can. Wisdom is everything. And so this is what we've been doing. We're trying to comprehend and value the worth of wisdom. And what we learned today is wisdom is not just a season. Wisdom doesn't end here as the series ends. Wisdom, here's our sermon title, wisdom is for life. And that sermon title carries a double meaning right now. Wisdom is for the extent of our lives. It carries on. As long as you're here, pursue wisdom. But also, the other meaning is, wisdom leads to life itself. We're going to hear that today, again. Wisdom is finding life itself. Wisdom, we see the blessing and the honor of God, which is life again in itself. So may our minds and affections be convinced and therefore determine our wills as to how valuable wisdom is. We're going for one one more kick at the can, one more lap around the track this way. We're coming hard right now. Proverbs 9 is gonna come right out. of She's calling out, man, today. She's like, hey, you gotta come. You gotta come hang out with me because I wanna bless you. And so I'm praying it's gonna happen today and more and more and more of us will be like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. I'm getting on the bus. I'm getting on the bus. Don't leave me behind, wisdom. I'm coming to your house. I'm gonna eat at your meal. I wanna live as you would have me live. Amen, church? May it be so. Let me pray for that uh, right now. Father, I pray as you invite us to yourself today, we would accept the invitation. I pray, Lord, as you slow down right before us and say, you want to get on this bus? I pray you say, yeah, I do. I absolutely do. I pray, Lord, as your word is so clear and this invitation is so strong that each of us, Lord, would be looking so, with such clarity and enthusiasm and passion and say, wisdom calls, I need to, I need to respond. At the same time, foolishness calls in our world. The text is gonna tell us that today. And I pray we would be so filled with wisdom we would see the destruction of foolishness and run in the other direction. There are people here today, Lord, that their choice today, the choice is theirs today. Will it be wisdom or will it be folly? And I pray, Lord, I pray the choice at the end would say, without a doubt, I'm choosing Christ. I'm choosing wisdom. I'm choosing honor. I'm choosing life. How foolish we would be to disregard you. But I pray right now we would embrace you (coughs) and love you for your glory in our lives. In Jesus' name, if you agree, Love it. Amen. All right. Proverbs 9 is where we are today. And as we do that, let me remind you of context. Proverbs 9 is the climax of the first nine chapters. Proverbs 9 also ends the first major section within Proverbs. Proverbs 9 also is giving a choice to the reader. It's a call for a final decision. Chapter 9 is pretty amazing because what chapter 9 is doing. Chapter 9 has wisdom and folly rivaling one another. So Wisdom's calling out, come eat at my house. Folly is also calling out, rivaling Wisdom, saying, no, no, come eat at my house. And so they're trying to recruit. Wisdom's trying to recruit followers, and Folly is trying to recruit followers. We have elections tomorrow here locally. By the way, make sure you vote, eh? 30% of people vote in these municipal elections. That's, that's not good. And so exercise your right as a Canadian citizen to vote. It matters. And so what the the people running for election are like, vote for me, follow me, follow me. And they're trying to recruit people to their way in a sense. That's what wisdom is doing today. She's saying, listen, listen, I offer you life. Come, come, dine at my house. And Folly's saying similar things, but what she conceals, Folly conceals, is that in the end she offers death. And we're gonna see that in God's word today. But she wants to look like it's to make great promises and great blessing. But the reality is the Folly of this world promises death, conceals death but the end will be death. But wisdom offers life, a world of difference. So today we have a simple outline, but a life-changing outline, I pray literally for people here today. Here's point number one. The way of wisdom is the way of life. The way of wisdom leads to life. Look at Proverbs 9 verse 1. Proverbs 9 verse 1 says, wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She's also set her table. Notice, she has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. And here's what wisdom says. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, and here's her message, come eat of my bread and drink of the wine that I have mixed. And here it is. She says, leave your simple ways and live. To many of us today, leave your simple ways and live and walk In the way of insight. Notice that these verses here represent an invitation to wisdom from wisdom. Wisdom is saying, Come, come, live in my house. And remember, we've learned in previous weeks, this is woman wisdom, pursuing the young man. The context is a a father to his son. And we've learned here, as the father says, son, in the same way that you desire to have a a wife one day with with a passion for her and a desire for intimacy with her and just a longing to be with your wife for the rest of your life, the father says, in the same way, pursue woman wisdom, the intimacy, the passion, because a relationship with her leads to life and honor and blessing. And so we are to pursue wisdom with passion in the same way that she pursues us in this text with passion as well. And so notice the details of wisdom's house in verse 1. Notice wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. Now the mention of seven pillars is explaining that wisdom's house rocks. Wisdom's house is magnificent, magnificent, it is a beautiful house. Listen, it is a strong house. The use of seven here in scripture often symbolizes perfection, pointing to Yahweh himself. So if in doubt, understand this, okay? Understand this. Wisdom's house is God's house. When you walk on the path to wisdom, you're walking on the path to God. Where wisdom dwells, God dwells. Where God dwells, wisdom dwells. Wisdom's house is God's house. i some telling you, you've got to get to God's house. You gotta get to to the house of wisdom because you find wisdom, you find the will of God. You find God himself. Where wisdom is God is loving. You got to get to wisdom's house. You got to get to God's house. How? Through wisdom. That's verse one. In verse two now, we see that wisdom's cooking a meal and she's a good cook, okay? She's a good cook. Notice, not just any meal, but a banquet. She has slaughtered her beasts, referring to meat, Meat was a luxury in Solomon's time. Now listen, wisdom only provides the best for her guests. You knock on, you knock on wisdom's door, you get ready for a feast because she's about to deliver. Okay? She doesn't hand you some, like, you know, a cup of water and a few crackers or something like that. She spreads it out, man. The best is found in wisdom because wisdom is found in the Lord and the Lord is found in wisdom. God will never, ever disappoint us. I mean, He is the one who provides us with the riches of eternal measure in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the path to wisdom. She slaughtered her beast and notice this she's mixed her wine. That is symbolizing a celebration a celebration of joy, a celebration of life. When you enter into Wisdom's house, man, you are fed and you are celebrating because you are in the presence of God and you know his way and you love his will and you are filled with joy and life. She slaughters her beast, she mixed her wine. She sets her table, which means this. Everyone who shows up at Wisdom's house will find a seat. No one will be turned away. Every person who genuinely desires to feed at the table of wisdom, they will find a place setting for them. It's prepared for them and ready, and they will not be left disappointed. Every person in this room right now who truly desires the path of wisdom and longs to see Christ and to love God, you, my friend, you, my brother, you, my sister, you will know the table that is set for you in the ways of wisdom. So that's verse 2. Now notice verse 3. Wisdom takes her action outside now. Her house is prepared, the table is set, the meal is ready. Now all she needs is some guests. And so notice in verse 3, she sends her young women to call. From the highest places in the town, wisdom goes out, she wants to be heard. The young women go out, wisdom won't be left out. She stands up, she stands up and she's like, hey listen, you gotta listen to me. You gotta listen to me, you gotta listen to me. She's calling out for wisdom. She wants to be heard because her message is too important. The light that she offers is is too great and too wondrous. we got to wake up and hear the call for wisdom. I'm pretty sure I just saw someone sleeping. No, no, wake up. Wake up. You can't sleep in this place. Come on now, all right? you got to wake up. Wisdom's calling. Wisdom's calling and it wants to see you alive in him and alive in the Lord and alive in her. How awesome this is. She calls people to herself. And now look at at verse 4 now. Here's her message. Whoever is simple, let him turn and hear. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat my bread. Drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Now, I want you to notice something here. I want you to notice that in verse 4 with wisdom, and compare that with verse 16 now with folly. So woman folly calls out in verse, in, in verse 16, and woman wisdom calls out in verse, notice those verses are identical. See that? They're identical. What is this telling us? Well, it tells us a lot of things, but it tells us that folly is competing with wisdom. And folly is so deceptive. It makes her message sound the same, but, but looking for the, the same people. They're both trying to recruit people to their message and their way of life. The one is offering life again. The one is concealing death. The battle was on then of wisdom versus folly, and the battle is on now in our day of wisdom versus folly. The choice is yours, loved ones. The choice is yours, But listen to what wisdom says in verse five. Wisdom says, eat my bread and drink my wine. Come, eat my bread. Leave your simple ways and live. Walk in the way of wisdom. Now, it's hard for me to say verse five and not think of eat my bread and drink my wine. It's hard for me not to think of Jesus Christ. It's... Hard for me not to think of the gospel. Come eat of my bread and drink of the wine that I have mixed. Now, on one level, a meal offered in Proverbs represents great intimacy. Wisdom wants a very close relationship with you and I. Why? Because when wisdom has us so close, wisdom can speak into our thoughts Wisdom can turn over our affections towards the Lord and wisdom then can determine our wills. The Bible explains to us that our thoughts, our affections, our mind, our affections, and our wills is our heart. Wisdom wants your heart. Because when wisdom has your heart, again, she starts to direct your mind and your affections turn over to Christ and your wills are aligned with God. And when wisdom has that, wisdom has you and you are aligned with the Lord and you are blessed. See, wisdom's only in it for our best interest. I mean, that's her motivation. I wanna bless you. I want to bless you. I want to offer you life. I want to see you satisfied. I want to give you rest. I want to see you inherit riches, honor, and life found in Jesus Christ alone. That's the motivation for wisdom. So in one sense, come eat, come drink. There's come be close. Come, let's be in a relationship where we're changed and you're transformed. But an invitation to wisdom, of course, biblically is an invitation to Christ. An invitation to Christ is an invitation to life. Notice the parallels Jesus said in John Chapter 7, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Jesus said in John 6, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus says in John 6, whoever feeds on my flesh bread and drinks of my blood wine has eternal life. And he promises and I will raise him up on the last day. Come eat my bread and drink of the wine that I have mixed And here is wisdom pleading for the simple to live, pleading for those who truly want life, to find life in her, to find life in Christ. This is very, very important for us in our day, loved ones, because we are living in unstable times. But we are also living in exciting times, And notice what wisdom does. She sends out the young women to call, to gather the simple. Jesus sends out his disciples to go and gather the simple to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim the message of wisdom, to proclaim the message of life. Young women, woman wisdom sends out, Jesus sends out, and we are Jesus' disciples. So we learn here that we are God's agents saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ to declare the message of the gospel. And now is the time to do it. We are God's agents of calling out to the simple. You who are wondering and questioning and can't find their way, come and receive wisdom of Jesus Christ. We are God's agents in the message of reconciliation for the gospel. And loved ones, I implore you right now. I've thought about this so much recently. Use the uncertainty of our day. Use the instability of our world. Use the fear that people are feeling and embracing. Use that as an advantage for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Use that right now. People, People slowly are becoming distracted by their idolatry. They're coming, distracted from their idolatry, the love of money, and the obsession with entertainment, and the love of self. There's enough things happening right now across our world, whether ISIS in the Middle East, and nations going to war with other nations, or the Ebola thing breaking all over the place, or events in our very own nation right now. There's enough things happening at a faster and faster rate, and natural disasters all over the place as well, that people are starting to look up just long enough from all their obsessive idolatry to look up just long enough and be like, what's happening out here? What's happening around here? And they're starting to look, around. that's our opportunity right there. That is a huge opportunity. There's so many people thinking about life and wondering questions they have inside. Little ones, we have the answer. We have the answer in Jesus Christ. And we can use these opportunities in conversation, just be like, hey, have you, have you looked around the world right now? It's pretty crazy, huh? It's pretty crazy. I'm just like, yeah, man, it really is. This, like last week, the were what, what's that all about? And there's like, there's like a religion forming over the Middle East that's convincing people over here to go kill people. For, what, what's up with that? And the Ebola thing, like, just, what do you think about that? Have you thought about that? Is it, is, you, is it changing how you, and let the conversation begin and then praying for an opportunity right now to move and say, have you ever thought about life as a whole and why all this is happening and why so much is centered on the Middle East and have you ever thought about purpose and life and meaning and, can I tell you what I think? Those conversations are at a premium right now. And the opportunity is ever, I'm telling you, man, who, who needs to be in church next Sunday? I mean, who do you need to talk to this week that you, that you know that this is a reality, we have a huge, huge opportunity to share our message of Jesus Christ and the faith that we have of the gospel when people are looking up just long enough from their drunken stupor to say, what is this world about? What is, listen, listen, God's elect are out there. They are waiting to hear the message. They are waiting for someone with beautiful feet to come up to them and share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. This is our opportunity right now. There's an urgency that we need to consider right now and to spread this and to use this to the advantage of (coughs) the glory of God. The Bible promises, among all the hard things that are going on, the Bible also promises the gospel will be proclaimed to all nations. That's the exciting part in the midst of the, unstable parts. Look at verse 10 now. Verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord. Now, this is what we need. You see, it comes back to the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me, your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. Now, I love God's Word. I love how it weaves a beautiful thread through its pages, and once again, Look here, the fear of the Lord leads to wisdom, wisdom leads to life. Fear God, find wisdom, find life. In Proverbs four times, the fear of the Lord is directly related to either giving life or is life itself. Let me put them on the screen for you here because this is what we need to be used of God right now. Proverbs 10, the fear of the Lord prolongs life. The wicked will be cut short. Next verse, Proverbs 14, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. That one may turn away from the snares of death. The fear of the Lord gives us wisdom, gives us, gives us life, gives us boldness in this. Here's the next verse. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Whoever has it rests satisfied. What a promise that is. And will not be visited by harm because your life is secure in the Lord and in Jesus Christ. And here's the next verse here, Proverbs 22. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches, honor, and tell me, tell me. Life, and life. The fear of the Lord is what leads to life. And so, again, I want to share my heart with you today because I've been feeling and sensing a great urgency upon my life. My wife, Jill, will tell you that for sure. I'm talking and thinking and praying about our days a lot because loved ones, I mean, again, the things I just mentioned globally, you got to look up and long enough to look around and just just like, wake up, wise up. Like, like there's, it's hard to find a reason to not be urgent today. There's so much going on in gaining perspective. We gotta be ready and for it to change our desires and to live with that urgency that matters with wisdom for the gospel. I was talking to a good friend this week and he works for a big company downtown Toronto and, and he told me, he's like, I have a mandatory work at home day today. And I was like, a mandatory work at home? What's up with that? Why would they do that? He says, well, it's the business continuity department, this, this whole department set aside to plan for disasters that might hit the world and hit the city or hit the nation or whatever. And so what they want to do, the, the company set up all these, all these design and parameters to make sure that their employees, if they had to stay at home, they could still get the work done and the company could still function in light of disasters and evil and whatever it might be. That's amazing. I said, wow, well, whole department set aside for this? He's like, yep. And I'm like, so the world is waking up to the reality of what's happening. The world is aware that these times are not normal. I mean, I even, I saw a little bit of the, of the recap of the national anthems that were sung last night in the hockey games. And they're, they're, there's a sense, loved ones, there's, there's an urgency even in our world. If we don't feel it, what's wrong with us? Come on! right? If we don't sense this, if we're not waking up, I mean, that's a tragedy. Look around and just notice what's happening. Are we prepared? And so the urgency then, what it does for me when I feel urgency, I get excited. Because as I get urgent and I get excited, I start to see things clearly. I see the idol for what it is. You're nothing. You're evil. You have no value in my life. I see the glory of God more clearly. You're everything. You're glorious. Live for you. I see the things that have no value in our lives. I see what is true. And why would I live for that when I could live for this now? Life is short. Christ is coming. Now is the time. Now is the time. Now is the time. Preach the gospel. Live for Christ. Worship Him. Give Him your life. Give Him your all because all that counts when He comes back is Him as well. But this is. Amen. This, this is what perspective does. Urgency, perspective, and wisdom. And when wisdom comes into my life and heart, everything simplifies. Because all of a sudden, all the details don't really matter. All of a sudden, it's like, what is most important? What am I living for? And what God has done in my heart in the last month or so, he's given me five things I'm praying for on a frequent, frequent basis, based on wisdom and simplicity. Because when I do these things, I know I'm in God's will. I want to share them with you just as pastor right now. I want to share my heart with you, whether they're hopefully helpful to you, but just to let you know where I'm at, the things I'm praying for, I believe if we pray for these things, are very simple. We pray for these things as a church, look out. Look out, Satan. Look out. Those who oppose, look out because the light is going to shine. So here's what I'm praying for in my life, and I just want to encourage you with these. They're really simple. first one is this, Lord, give me a burden for prayer. I've been burdened to pray for prayer. I've been praying this a lot recently. Lord, I, wanna, I want you, because here's the thing. I could try to fire you up in prayer for a couple of minutes and stuff, but the reality is, if it's not of God, it will only last for a couple of minutes. But if we pray for prayer, and God, would you, would you in me burden me with a sense of prayer? Every morning I get up, man, first thing, like for my feet hit the floor, knees hit the ground. I, God, give me a burn for prayer. Give me a heart for prayer. Give me a heart for prayer. Give me a heart for prayer. And as he does it in us, then what happens, man? Then him in us, we start to see and a desire to pray. I'm, I, I want to warn you too, I'm specifically praying for prayer-ers in our church as much as ever, that God would call men and women and children specifically to pray with a burden to seek the Lord during services, before services service. in our church. That's not convincing that you would be compelled by the Spirit. I know it's happening too. I've already talked to some. God is compelling. Because listen, listen. In our crazy times, we got nothing. Apart from Jesus Christ, we can do nothing. This is when prayer becomes then everything. I'm praying about prayer. I encourage you to do that, and when it starts to be answered, it's pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting. Where all of a sudden you're like, "Wow, I want to pray. I want to pray. I want to grab my wife's hand. I want to. I want to get on my knees. I want to get by myself. I I want to seek the Lord. It's it's awesome." A burden for prayer. Here's the second thing I'm praying for: Lord, give me a give me a hunger for Your Word. So simple. Why so important? Well, in the midst of evil, in the midst of foolishness, what puts us in the right place? The word of God. There is no message today on wisdom apart from God's word. So God's word becomes everything. Now, there have been times in my life where I've been so hungry for God's word, I couldn't wait to go to bed. I'm a morning person, big time, okay? not a night person. I couldn't wait to go to bed because I couldn't wait to wake up and feed on God's word. Now, I'm not there right now, but I'm getting closer. Okay, I'm getting closer because I'm praying this prayer. Right, where you so desire because you know, you know this book. You know this book is life. You know it's what God gives to us, and you believe it. And so your theology is so crystal clear, and you approach it, and you're like, "Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, give me a hunger for Your Word," and you start hungering for His Word. Wisdom comes from His Word. That's what allows us to discern and distinguishing good and evil, and go through our day. When I mean, you're hunger for prayer and you're hunger for Word, and you combine those two together, reading the Word and prayer, what a deal! Amen. That's awesome pray these prayers, look out, it might actually start happening. It might start happening. Here's the third thing I'm praying for, Lord, give me, a, give me a greater love for you. Give me a greater love for you. Why it's the greatest commandment for a reason. And when you are filled with the love for the Lord and you ask him, this is what's so awesome, when you love Jesus Christ, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you love the Lord with all that you are, it's so fantastic where you're so focused and filled with his love, you genuinely don't care when you become less. So foreign to us, because so often we love self so much that we just, you, you can't say it against me, you can't criticize me, you can't do this. But when you're so obsessed with the love of God and you just see your identity in the gospel in him, this is, this is so powerful. Okay, listen, listen, listen this, this change your life right here. When your full identity is in Jesus Christ, you care not what anyone else thinks of you because your full satisfaction is in Jesus Christ. When you understand it's what he thinks of you, then you're like, I don't care what you think of me because I know what Christ thinks of me. He loves me, I'm his child, I'm going to heaven, man. I'm, I'm a shepherd, I'm a sheep belonging to the good shepherd and I'm a child of God, I'm a child of the king. Wow, I'm special because Jesus Christ has set me apart for his purposes. And when you see your identity is in him, you're not looking for, for the approval of man because you already have the approval of God awesome. And when you love the Lord in that way, this is what happens. Give me a greater love for you, God. And when, and then genuinely you love him so much, you just, whatever happens, you're, you're good because you can't be bothered to deal with all the other foolish things that go on in life. Give me a hunger. Give me a greater love for you. Listen this. Your, Lord, give me a, give me a love for your church. Give me a love for your church. I I'm praying for a greater love for other churches, praying greater love for other pastors, praying for a greater love for for his bride, you, for this church. I just, Lord, I want to love your church. Why? Because you love your church, God. Because Jesus Christ, you died for your church. I want to love your church. I want to love you. I, I want to love, I, I'm praying for this, that you selflessly walk into this building and just want to give yourself, whether through preaching or through leading or whatever, or the way that you do, just genuinely want to see and give of self. See, when God does that in you, man, naturally it comes out and the fruit of the Spirit is love. Awesome. Give me a love for your, for your church. And then fifthly, Lord, give me a love for the lost. Give me a burden for those who are right now dying without Jesus Christ. and There are millions and millions and millions and millions. God, would you burden me with a sense of urgency for what's really happening, that people are on their way to death and hell apart from God. God, would you give me a love for the lost? see, wisdom begins to formulate some simple prayers for maximum efficiency and fruitfulness in the Lord Jesus Christ with the time that we have. And I'm telling you, when we start praying these prayers together. I mean, you, you can add so many prayers to this, but you start praying these prayers and good things will start to happen. And that's pretty exciting. That's where your pastor's at right now, man, because the way of wisdom is the way of life and the urgency and the importance of this right now. Listen, wisdom is building a house of blessing. Jump in, She's saying, come, eat my bread, drink of the wine. Do not reject the invitation. Get to her house, man. You get to wisdom's house, you get to God's house. So that's the good news. But here comes the bad news, all right? The bad news is this, the way of, number two, the way of folly is the way of death. The way of folly, so the way of wisdom is the way of life, but the way of folly is the way of death. And now what happens as we go to verse 13 Now we see woman folly speaking out, competing with woman wisdom. Look at verse 13. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Here she says, again identical to verse 4. Whoever is simple, that I'm turning here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, and now notice her message now is nothing like wisdom's. Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. She's just honest. She's deceptive. She's seductive. And verse 18, but he does not know that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. So the rivalry is clear. The competing voice is being heard. But notice right away what we learn about folly. The Bible tells us that folly is loud. She is noisy, she is loud, she never stops talking, she's obnoxious, she's arrogant, she's full of self-interest. Here's a tip, don't be like that. Don't be like that, it's foolishness. The wisdom or folly, the woman folly, she is, she is loud. Now I read this this week from Matthew Henry in his commentary and I like the sentence or this paragraph so much I wanted to share it with you because here's what he says in regards to woman folly. Here's the quote on the screen. Matthew Henry, like 400 years ago, this is amazing. He says, Carnal, sensual pleasure I take to be especially meant by this foolish woman. So he's like, the foolish woman can be best seen in carnal, sensual pleasure. He says, for that is the great enemy to virtue. The great enemy of virtue in Christ and for Christ is carnal, sensual pleasure. See, the world revolves around carnal, sensual pleasure. Always trying to engage us in idolatry and carnal means, sensual means, and self-pleasure. He says it's the enemy to virtue and the inlet to vice. It's where we get caught up in habits that ruin us and destroy us, that defiles and debauches the mind. You want to ruin your mind? Just walk down the path of foolishness. You want to wreck the ways in your life? You want to see anti-Christ things or anti-fruit? Then just go in foolishness. It will defile and debauch your mind it will stupefy your conscience, kind of blow your conscience in a bad way and put out the sparks of conviction. See, wisdom gives us conviction in Christ. So I'm going through the wisdom series and I got conviction stacking up in my life. I'm like, yeah, it's right. It's awesome. God's way is so sure and it's so pure. And I'm as convinced as ever as to following Christ and his ways are right and the blessing that is found there. And I hate foolishness, but foolishness takes water and pours it on the fire for Christ. It put out the sparks of conviction more than anything else. Carnal, sensual pleasure. It's good. And I agree with Matthew Henry's understanding of this. The way of folly is loud. And notice what verse 13 says. It says that she is seductive and knows nothing. How's that for a resume? What do you know? I know nothing. Oh, Notice this but folly talks such a big game, right? See, this is our world. Talks such a big game. Such a big game, promising everything, delivering nothing. Because folly knows nothing. Nothing of any moral value. Notice it says she's seductive. So so woman folly though, she's clever in this sense. She'll try to ring you in. She seduces you with her lies and sucks you in and is often quite successful. But in the end one commentator said this. Woman folly, she is so ignorant that she is not even aware of her ignorance. She is so, that's our world, that's our world, is so ignorant, she is not even aware of her ignorance. That is our world. Billions and billions of people through false religions, through false systems of philosophy, through false gods of idolatry. They are literally, they are walking the plank of death and they know it not. They're walking this plank of death. They think, hey, this is great, man. This is amazing. Some people are being taught, if I go kill people in the name of my religion, I'll end up with all these virgins in heaven and everything will be ecstasy. Walking a plank of destruction and know it not. People walking through life, man. Oh, life's so great. I just live for self. Get more money. Do this another. And they're walking a plank of Death, but they're so ignorant. as what foolishness does. They're so blind to this reality. They have no idea what waits them as they step off the edge of this plank is separation from God and death and utter destruction and the most horrific thing they could ever think of. But they have no idea because they're so blind in their ignorance with pride and a rejection of the Lord. But if they could have wisdom, they could see where they're going. And wisdom sees and goes, ah, and runs as fast as they can and the other direction towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Watch out for folly, loved ones. She's seductive, but she knows nothing. And notice in verses 14 to 16, notice folly's doing all she can to entice and invite victims of her foolishness. She sits at the door. She takes a seat in high places. She calls to those who pass by. Notice again, she calls out in the same way as wisdom, but she mimics and she's a counterfeit. So folly makes promises, but can't keep them. She woos people, but then devours them. Folly, this is a good line here. Folly is a master of distraction and a guarantee of destruction. Say that again. Folly is a master of distraction and a guarantee of destruction. Loved ones, do not take her bait. Do not take her bait. Do not take it. Because notice in verse 17, here's her message. Stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. <laughs> in verse 18, she's exposed. But he does not know that the dead are there and that her guests her guests, are in the depths of Sheol. See, when, when folly says, come, come to my house, she's inviting you to death, but she won't tell you that. So here in verses 17 and 18, she's exposed. Folly is a sham. She's fraudulent. She's dishonest to the core. Those who approach folly have great expectation, but in the end, they are confronted with suffering and death. This is why how often do I sit with, especially my boys, they're of age, and sit down with them, and as the messages of the world enter into our home, as the lies of advertising and marketing or systems of whatever enter, pause, stop, timeout, wait. Boys, did you just hear what that message was? Did you? Why is that message a total lie? Why is what you just heard, why is that completely and categorically untrue? Why is that utter foolishness? Boys, tell me, tell me. I want them to start to discern and see how wicked and foolish our world really is before they start buying into things that are absolutely getting in our conscience we start to believe they're true and in the seductive message of foolishness starts to creep into their lives. You tell me, son, why that message right there is absolutely garbage. And then you have the wisdom to discern What does the Lord say about that? What is the truth of life? Where does happiness really come from? Where are we truly satisfied? What is the true root and joy of salvation? I mean, you can literally walk into a sandwich joint these days and they will tell you the sandwich itself is salvation. That is utterly preposterous. But this is what our world does. Promises you everything and delivers on nothing. Foolishness buys in. Wisdom says, I'm out. Wisdom says... Jesus Christ is the one, and it is so fun and powerful and exciting when you can take the world for what it is and blow it to pieces and then open up your Bible and say, this is what sets me free. This is where I find life. This is what I know joy is. This is my savior, him who I love, and he is who I live for. That is so powerful. That is so exciting, and that's what God wants to do in us as we walk in the way of wisdom and reject the way of folly. God, help us to do that. Again, wisdom personifying the Lord Foolishness and folly personified in foolish thought and behavior. For the Israelite to pick up Proverbs 9 and read it in Solomon's day, folly is represented both in small g gods, the idols. What did the idols always do? What did the idols always do with God's people? The idols, Solomon himself fell, fell victim to this in the heart of foreign women. It steals their hearts away from God. Idols take the love of God away from God's people and turn their affections now to empty idols of destruction. That's the danger of folly. So, so, when you worship money, when we worship career, our cars, our comfort, when we worship another person, when we worship luxury, when we worship sex, we worship sports or fitness, when we worship our kids, we worship self, All of this ultimately is an appeal of folly to steal your heart away from the love of God. It's trying to steal your heart away from wisdom, to steal your heart away from life and to move you closer and closer to death. And that is why there's such urgency today in this series and this message. That's why the call for wisdom is out. And wisdom says, hey, I'm calling, I'm calling, I'm calling. Come eat at my house. Do not walk down folly. Do not, do not listen to her. Wisdom calls out to you, to you right now. And says, Will you not choose wisdom and life as opposed to choosing folly and death? But in the end, love, when Proverbs 9 is right here, in Proverbs 9 says, There's wisdom and there's folly. And in the end, listen, listen, this is point number three the choice is yours. In the end, the choice is yours. And that's where we end today. I, I want you to turn to finish this series. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Let's make sure everyone turns. Lots of peer pressure in the rows, okay? Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Turn there and let's end this series with a bang here on wisdom versus foolishness. (laughs) Matthew 7 verse 24. Let's everyone get there. Now one thing that I've been so amazed with is I've never been more sensitive to this is how much the Bible speaks on wisdom versus foolishness. It's not just Proverbs. It's all over the place including right here. Now this is Jesus ending the, ser- the greatest sermon ever given. He's ending the greatest sermon ever given. This is his conclusion. Matthew 7, verse 24. Everyone, Jesus says, everyone then who hears these words of mine, now these words of mine are the Sermon on the Mount, but it's also the words of God. It's the words of Christ. It's all his teachings. It's, his, it's, it's the Bible. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a wise man, circle, And great was the fall of it. Loved ones, the rains are coming. The floods are coming. The wind is blowing. They are, whether it's in death or whether it's before death, the rains are coming. The winds are blowing. The floods are coming. And what that means is those who live for Jesus Christ in his wisdom and stand on the rock, they will stand, they will not fall. But those who are apart from Jesus Christ, who live in foolishness, they're on sand, they will be wiped away. This is wisdom. This is Christ. This is living for him. It's the difference between standing and falling, lasting and disappearing. It's the difference between living and dying. At the end of the day, the storms of life will come. And only those who stand on Jesus Christ, only those pursuing wisdom, will remain and will last. The choice of wisdom versus folly. Listen. The choice is yours. I appeal to you today. There are people here today, you've never made a decision for Jesus Christ. You have never bowed your knee. You have never confessed with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Today could be your day. I implore you today, to be reconciled to God. I implore you today to look at our world and to understand it is about one person, ultimately Jesus Christ. He lived for you. He died for you. He was raised from the dead for you. And what does he ask from you? Faith. He asks for you to believe. You can't earn your salvation. You can't do enough good deeds to find your way into heaven because God demands perfection. But Jesus Christ was perfect. And that's why his sacrifice was sufficient for all time. And if you simply receive the gift of grace from God through by believing through faith in him, you will become a child of God. Lord, I give you my sin. Lord, I ask you to come reign in my life. Lord, you become Lord. You become Savior. Lord, you become all. Lord, I'm sick of foolishness. I believe it goes to death. I want life. I want wisdom. I want you, Jesus Christ. I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my love. I give you my all. You pray that prayer today and that's real in your heart, you'll be saved. Never to die again. Who in here today needs to respond to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Who needs to reject woman folly and embrace woman wisdom? Because you love the Lord and because you know he loves you. He calls out to you today. He calls your name. He reaches for your hand. He embraces you with a perfect heavenly embrace because he wants you to live and he wants you to love and he wants to pour his grace upon you. Who is here today? Who needs to make that decision for Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Father, would you save people here today? Would you grant life to people here today? I pray, oh God. Oh Lord Jesus Christ, would you call, would you call from the depths, people, to be raised to newness of life. Oh God, I ask right now that you be filling us with wisdom and such an urgency for the message of Jesus Christ. Oh God, I pray you be moving so powerfully and wonderfully in this way. Oh God, I pray people are calling up to you. Oh Lord, fill me with wisdom. Oh God, fill me with life. Oh God, we need you. Oh God, we long for you and think loved ones one day so soon we'll stand in glory, wake up in glory and the only name we will sing is Jesus and Jesus and Jesus because he is the purpose of everything. He is everything. So right now, oh God, Right now, oh God, would you be working and moving? And We just declare our love for you, Father. Amen, church. We just say we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. You love us. You are with us. You are for us. Who can stand against us? So cause us, Lord, such wisdom, such love. Raise people to newness of life even now. And help us, Lord, to sing with such passion and love and joy even now as we respond to the reality of why we live and who it is, again, we live for. Oh, God, may foolishness flee in Jesus' name and may wisdom be found in abundance as much as ever. I pray this with such faith and joy in the name of Jesus. Amen.